the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark Presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team. Joined with me, as always, is Zach, the total snackage shaver, and A. Diallo, the Armageddon Jackson! What's up? And this month, we are talking quirky crime dramas slash comedies from the 80s. It's uh it is a wild ride and I am so happy to finally dive into Matt Houston, a show that we've been talking about probably ever since uh the Hawkeye episode of TV Obscura, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were talking about it uh, uh previously. Uh but before we get into how everybody's doing, I'll just really quickly announce that uh Zach will be tackling The Insiders, which came out in 1985. Uh Diallo will be ta- tackling Matt Houston, uh, which came out in 1982, and I'll be discussing Scarecrow and Mrs. King, which came out in 1983. It's going to be a lot of fun before we but before we dive into all of that. Zach, how's it going, my man? Can I I well you guys can't see this, but uh, I have a big smile on my face. Mm. Diallo does too. Corey does too. Everybody's fucking smiling. Why is everyone smiling? Well, because all three of these episodes, everyone's smiling in every damn episode <laughs> that we watch. Everyone's just like so happy. They're like, this is TV money. This is some good shit. Yeah, I'll smile. Yeah, I'll play whatever the hell I want to play. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do if the money's this good. Because apparently it was pretty good back in the day. So TV money, baby. It's where it's at. Get that TV money, baby. (laughs) When you texted, uh, why is everybody smiling? What did I write? Cocaine. Yeah, you... <laughs> cocaine. Cocaine. I think Lee Horsley's mustache holds three grams. Just kidding, course, just kidding. Just kidding. And of course, it makes me think of Don Cleveland in uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. What's this asshole smiling about? Exactly. That's that's what I was thinking when I was watching Matt Houston the whole time. But we'll get into that. We'll, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We'll get all that. Diallo, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going good. It's going really good. Just uh, you know, living life and and uh, and doing things. <laughs> L- living that podcast life. Real quick, uh, before we jump into every everything, can you tell everybody about your new podcast that you have out? Yeah, I'm uh, just uh, started doing the Kino Bay podcast, and I'm doing it with a friend of mine, uh, Jamie Smith. Um, and we are currently reviewing um, Obi-Wan, uh, the series on Disney+. And um, depending on how it goes after the series over, we might uh, start reviewing some more Star Wars content. Um, you know, anything from cool. the, the Clone Wars keeps coming up, so that might be next on tap. And talk about some of the movies and our thoughts. And um, 
and it's just just a little bit of background. Um, Jamie is more of a um, passionate and love with the Star Wars universe, and I am a grumpy, uh, very critical <laughs> about Obi Wan the character. So <laughs> between the two of us, we uh, uh, we like cover all the bases, and um, I I try to be fair. I'm very fair, um, but uh, yeah, so it's really fun. If you guys check it out. Very cool. Well, I'll have links in the show notes as always, and uh, can't I can't wait to dive into it. My 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 uh, podcast backlog is is insane right now, but I'm gonna bump that one up because I'm excited to hear what you're talking about over there. You're gonna give it a bump. You gotta give it a cocaine bump. Give it a. (laughs) (laughs) I took the hit that I was given, then I bumped again, then I bumped again. Said, oh sorry, we're not reviewing Third Eye Blind's semi charm life. I'm not gonna lie, I don't hate that song. I love that song, dude. <laughs> I don't turn it off when it comes on the radio. Because there's love some that songs song. that you've heard a gazillion times, but you still don't turn it off, you know, when it comes no. on. That song's great. It's uh for Diallo and I living in the Bay Area. Third Eye Blind's a Bay Area band. Oh, okay. That song was huge up uh, up in the Bay Area back in the day. And I remember I was dating this girl and I'm like I'm like, what's a bump? And she's like, You don't she was kind of rough around the edges. Uh, she's like, you don't fucking, you don't know what a bump is? And what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I didn't do drugs like ever. Is that what that is? And she goes, yeah, fuck yeah. Come it's on, cocaine. Man. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then my, my boys, Matt and Terry are like, why are you dating a girl that says fuck yeah all the time? And I'm like, good point. <laughs> and I kicked it to the curb and I kicked again and then I kicked again. I didn't. I, no physical violence ever. Just kidding. Well, Zach, were you ever a fan of Fugazi? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I don't like. I, I I remember listening to their shit back in the day. Yeah, I uh, saw uh, our pal Robert Ortiz uh, uh, posting about it. I always got to give Fugazi love because they were a DC band, and you can't grow up in Maryland in the '90s without knowing who Fugazi was. Fugazi, Fugazi, baby. <laughs> uh, Jello Bafria or Yellow Bafria, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyways, anyways, welcome to '90s music podcast. Right? The '90s music corner. <laughs> well, can we talk about King Missile and detachable penis? <laughs> I left it at a Kiev. No, sorry. I remember that song. Okay. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> All right. Diallo, are you ready to fucking finally talk about Matt Houston? Uh, on the show, on TV Obscure, we've been talking about this for a while, but behind the scenes, we've been t- been talking about this for, I think, even <laughs> longer, and I couldn't be fucking happier that it's finally here and that I finally have Matt Houston uh, under my knowledge belt because I freaking loved it. Spoiler alert! So, Diallo, <laughs> take us take us, take us, back, baby. Take us there. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you <laughs> Matt Houston. <laughs> Matt that Houston. Music. Yeah, Matt Houston. It uh, aired from 1982 to 1985 on ABC. It was on for three seasons, had 67 episodes. Uh, it was created by Lawrence Gordon, who also created a little show called Renegades um, that starred in uh, Patrick Swayze, a young young Patrick Swayze. Um, he was the producer of lots of great shows and movies. Um, you may have heard of a few of these, 48 Hours, uh, Predator, Leviathan, um, and um, a little movie that um, 
Actually, it's probably the greatest movie that's ever made called Waterworld. Um. <laughs> I'm only laughing because Diallo adores that movie in a non-ironic way. And God bless you, my friend. God bless you. I love you for it. He he also was a, he also was associated with some. Uh, it's not as good as Waterworld, but it's called Boogie Nights. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that one. A little small. Uh, yeah, in, heard of that. A little small. One of the greatest film. movies of all time. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, and it was uh, produced by Aaron Spelling, who you may have heard. He's the father of Tori Spelling, which is his claim to fame. But he's also done a few small things, uh, produced uh, like 90210, Melrose, Fantasy Island, Love Boat, Charlie's Angels, Dynasty. Um, a little soap opera that I might try to do on this show one day called Sunset Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Heart to heart, um, and that, and that's just like tip of the iceberg. Um, can can I just can I just briefly cut in really quick and say that Lawrence Gordon was also a producer of one of the the greatest movies of all time besides Waterworld, uh, The Warriors. Yeah. Yes. And Renegades is technically was supposed to be like a yeah a Warriors esque type TV series. It definitely was like the Warriors, and it had a little bit of that vibe of uh, what do you call it? Uh, Stay gold, pony boy. The Outsiders. Yeah, the Outsiders. Yeah. yeah. If if we can ever track down that pilot, by the way, we gotta mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. No, Just I just had I, to give my Warriors shout out. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy. Um. Uh, yeah, so it, uh, it premiered September 26, 1982. It starred Lee Horsley. Lee Horsley. Who... <sighs> A.K.A. the mustache from, from he, heaven. <laughs> he was a helicopter flying, classic car driving, cowboy hat styling, mustachioed profiling, rootin' tootin', <laughs> six-gun shooting. Super wealthy business businessman, son of a gun, Matt Houston. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> uh, and Matt Houston was basically a, he was a very wealthy and successful businessman originally from Texas. He was basically a cowboy who uh, lives in L.A. slash, and they put the emphasis on Hollywood. Um, and he takes on detective cases as sort of like a hobby. So a lot of the episodes is him avoiding doing his uh his working his business and he's takes on cases where often people he knows get killed and he <laughs> <laughs> tries to go discover who killed him um, <laughs> um he uh it also starred uh pamela hensley who very near and dear to my heart because she played princess ardala on Ooh. um on um Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Yeah. And the out, the outfit that she used to wear on that definitely, you know, confirmed Oof. my interest in, <laughs> in women at a young age. <laughs> Sweet belly button. Sweet yeah. belly button. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was actually like, it was like Princess Leia's outfit, now that I think about it. The, uh, sla- the oh, yeah. slave outfit, now that I think about it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she played C.J. Parsons, who, um, a far cry from Princess Ardala. She was uh, Matt Houston's attorney. She's kind of like the, the business brains of the operation. Um, kind of kept him on the straight and narrow. Not really the narrow, but the straight. Was she um, also the was she also the narrator sort of in between sometimes that they had in, in at the beginning, at the end? Was that her as well? Um, I'm not sure, but it probably was. Um, I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. 
Um, okay. Yeah, they in the pilot episode, I know that they had a narrator and it was her. But um, to be honest, like I was pay, I was paying more attention to the robots in the in the yeah, <laughs> episode. Yeah, of we course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the robots voiced by Frank Welker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, so in, uh, after the first season, oh, the first season, um, there was a te- detective called Lieutenant v- Vince no- uh, Novelli. He was played by John Apea. Um, he was in things like Ironside, Six Million Dollar Man, Police Story, and a movie called Hunky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just looked. I saw that. And I just thought that was funny. Um, it was hunky or hon- honky or hunky. Hon- honky, like uh, you know, like shut up, honky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he was uh, also it, the killer in uh, Bullet too. Oh, he was. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, see, it was that honky was a love story apparently. Um, <laughs> Um, and he was uh, in the, after after the first uh, season, um, the role was taken. Oh, not the role, but the <clears throat> space was taken over by Lincoln Kilpatrick, who played Lieutenant uh, Michael Hoyt. Um, and he was in a little movie called Fortress that um, you might have heard of. Yeah. And um, yeah, in and prison. then yeah, in prison. And then um, it also in the later seasons starred. Buddy Effin Ebsen, um, who yep. played Uncle Roy Houston, who's uh, Matt Houston's uncle, you know, Beverly Hillbillies, Barnaby Jones, Davy Crockett, um, just like, you know, he's a legend. Um, and I was, I, I was gonna, I, sorry, I didn't mean to re- yeah. interrupt you again. Well, of course I did because I did, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I didn't mean I, to interrupt you, but I'm gonna, but, but I'm gonna, re- John Aprea also was in, um, uh, American Anthem, that 80s gymnastic movie with Mitch Gaylord and Janet Jones. He played the asshole dad in that. Janet so, Jones. Wow. If you guys have never seen American Anthem, go watch it. It's good shit. Buddy Epson, too, uh, he was like a mayor of some city or, or town or something. Like in real life? Yeah, I think so. I think oh, wow. so. It wasn't mayor uh, yeah, of Beverly was Hillbillies? The, no, he was like, he, or he owned a town or at some point. I don't know. Because he had all uh, that Texas tea. Yeah. yeah he did. He got that Texas tea, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy uh, fucking Epson. I mean, yeah, just like Buddy Epson. That's just like, for a show like Matt Houston, that's just amazing. Um, anyways, uh, George Weiner, who played Murray Chase. Yes. Um, you might, you, you know him as, uh, Gillette and Fletch. Uh, he was in oh, Hill Street, Hill Street Blues. Um, Corey, you might be introduced because I know you were watching, um, Mary Tyler Moore show recently, right? And he was in the spinoff of that, Rhoda. Um, yep. he yep. played Principal Walter in Wildcats. Um, I think you he, guys He was also in Spaceballs. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, he played, he played, I was going to be my last one. Um, he played Colonel Sanders in Spaceballs. Um, he was yeah. also, he was also in a show called uh, She's the Sheriff. I don't know if either of you guys remember that. It was with Suzanne Summers. I actually remember watching that. Um, and he played a deputy on that show. And he was also on one of the greatest shows that has ever existed on television, Days of Our Lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
there, anyways, the show was full of a plethora of guest stars, um, such as who's Chuck, who. Yeah, Chuck Connors, um, who plays sort of like the foil evil businessman to um, to Matt Houston on recurring episodes. Um, James Shigata, who played uh, Tagaki in Die Hard, the uh, the business executive. Yeah, um, yeah. Heather Locklear appeared. Scatman Crothers, Rebecca Holden, who played April on um, Knight Rider, um, a guy that's actually pretty close to my heart, uh, Judson Scott, who kind of had like a background role in Star Trek: uh, The Wrath of Khan. He was on various episodes of TNG. Um, he's on X Files, but he's also on a show that at some point might do on um, TV Obscura called The Phoenix. Um, he played the lead character Ooh. in that. Um, and uh, Andrew Robinson, another play, played Mr. Garrick on D- Deep Space Nine. He was on a show called Mantis that you might have heard of. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> you all know in, that. <laughs> he was in, yeah, he was in Cobra. So, yeah, the, the show had. You know, I think it, from the the pedigree of um, Aaron Spelling, I think uh, just like a lot of other Aaron Spelling shows, um, you know, like Love Boat in particular, and um, and Fantasy Island, just had they had that like recurring cast of uh, guest stars. Um, one other thing I want to cover real quick too also is uh, there was a, the theme by uh, Dominic Frontier. Um, one of the things I love about the Matt, Matt Houston is that the theme just goes hard. It goes so hard right out of the gate. It's got the, the horns and the, the guitar and the electric guitar playing in the background. Um, but he actually did, um, like I guess the first season of Outer Limits, he did the theme, The Fugitive, Vegas, if you remember that show. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, he did another show that I might possibly do at some point on this, sh- on this show uh, called Strike Force. Um, and um, he he did the theme to Color of Night with uh, Bruce Willis back in like the mid nineties. Uh, nice, yeah. So yeah, um, our in the in the episode that we covered, I mean, again, talk about guest stars. We had David Cassidy, uh, rest in peace, as uh, a uh, tech wizard named John Boyd. Um, Jessica Walter. And just so uh, guys and gals, if you want to look it up or whatever on IMDb, uh, we all watched um, Joey's Here, which is episode nine, except on uh, YouTube in the link that I posted on our Patreon page for free. It's weirdly listed as episode 11. So when I was watching it, I was like looking at episode 11 on IMDb trying to see the cast members. But no, it's episode nine. And yeah, Mr. Roper's in it. It's it's insanity. Yeah, Jessica Walter, uh, who's from uh, does voices on Ar- Archer, from uh, Arrested Development. Um, she just passed away, I think. Yeah, oh, she, did she? Yeah, she did. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Norm Norman Fell, who we all know Fucking is Mr. Norman Mr. Fell, <laughs> Mr. Roper from yep. the Three's Company. I want a T-shirt with just his face on it. Yeah, that, smug, yeah. that smirk that he has, yeah, you know? that, or yeah, that, that, that like, like twinkle toe face that he yeah. makes. I love it. <laughs> and, and by the way, Jessica Walter was a babe total fucking fox in this yeah yeah she little was... cat head a little, little bit of a cat head but yeah she's a babe <laughs> good lord 
And, uh, you know, last but not least, I want to bring up uh, BJ Haggerty, who played, um, he was, he's kind of like a strong man. He's a former wrestler. Um, you've seen him like oh, a yeah. character and tons of random things. Um, but uh, noteworthy to me was that he was in um, uh, uh, Buck Rogers and the 25th Century as Tiger Man, who was actually the, uh, like the henchman of Princess Ardala. So. Yeah, another link there with the uh, with the with Princess Ardala, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that was Matt Houston. Every episode was pretty much like I said. Um, he's off, kind of trying to deal with some business endeavors, and then he gets a case, ignores the business endeavors, follows the case. It was very episodic. It went all over the place. Um, covered lots of ground with different. Um, different sort of uh mysteries and um yeah and the one uh the one that we watched i think was actually like i i i mean i actually thought it was amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Where, yeah <laughs> um especially because it was uh it was you know made in 82 and this was like at the beginning of like when tech stuff was really starting to boom like video games and stuff so this is like pac-man era you know and, yes. bas- and basically, there is a uh, video game guru that's wanting to build a uh, sort of like Disney Disneyland, but for video games. And um, a uh, someone gets killed, and it's one of the robots that he's built. So um, Troy Donahue, by the way, Troy Donahue, who yeah. was like a like a pinup fifties guy or something like that. Yeah, he was in Crybaby. Apparently, yeah. had a big career. And as I mentioned, I was the the voice of the robot was Frank Welker. But right yeah. when he starts talking, I'm like, "Why does that sound familiar? Why does that sound a little bit like Slimer from Real Ghostbusters?" And there it is. Because I thought it was Welker. Mel Blanc at first. I'm like, "Oh, is it Tweaky? Yeah. Fucking Tweaky's voice?" Yeah, that was a little. I, I thought bitty, it was bitty, Tweaky bitty. at first, but then I was like, "Oh, that's a little too on the nose because he looked like Tweaky and he walked like yeah. Tweaky, but." Yeah, it was like it was it was really interesting just the way that they covered um, like you just if in in hindsight where we're sitting now, 40 years later, um, with ha- as advanced as we are technologically speaking. And they were sort of like looking forward to what they thought technology would be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was really cool. You know, he it's very um, Matt Houston is very uh, brash, cavalier. He's a cowboy, um, but he's not like bumbling. He, but there's a there is a bumbling quality to him. But he's very um, suave. Um, the mustache, his mustache, just kind of like leads the way all the time. I mean, he's smart <laughs> enough to solve mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's Matt Houston. What do you guys uh, think, Corey? Uh, well, I was going to ask you. You kind of didn't really talk. Did, did you oh, watch yeah. it as a kid? Did you? Uh, oh were yeah, you, yeah. Were you a big fan of it, like as a kid. Did you watch it when it came out, or was it like syndication or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So I used to watch it um, when it came out. I remember like watching it. I think it came on Friday nights, um, and that was uh, that was actually back in the era when things act good things actually came on Fridays. <laughs> you know. Um, 
But yeah, I watched it on Friday nights, and then years, a few years later, I watched it again in syndication. It's funny though with syndication because I know I used to watch it, but I can't remember like what it came on or like when it came on. I was really trying to think about that the last couple of days, but I, I just remember watching it all the time, and I sort of like refell in love with it. Um, yeah, I watch it like every day. Like every day, Matt Houston. And it was like I watched it as a kid and I, I didn't quite get everything about it. But then I, when I watched it older, when I say I was older, I was like either in late high school or early college. Um, but I sort of like revisited it and I was just like, oh, man, this show is really cool. Like it just, you know, the it was it was always just like the brashness of it and uh, the fun and um you know the action and adventure and uh yeah so i and the, but then i hadn't watched it you know since then and i think i was telling you the other day like as much as i watched that show i could not remember one episode yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's how i feel about uh scarecrow and mrs king as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah dude fucking matt houston man i i've been hearing about it from both of you uh i never it never came across my desk um i was pretty young when it came out so you know you don't have a lot of agency over what you watch when your parents are sort of watching stuff as a kid and everything. So it never kind of came in front of me, never even heard of it until you guys started talking about it. Uh, like most things here, I didn't do any sort of research going into it. So when I first, you know, popped this episode in that you, you know, you gave us to watch, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was a bit going to be a bit more serious, but I think for the better, it is not very lighthearted, but it is. It has elements of lightheartedness to it. It has elements of silliness to it, never at the detriment of, of Matt Houston, even though what I you said he's kind of has this little bit of an element of bumbling to him. Like when he like when his brakes get cut in his car, you know, he's going down the, the hill and everything like that, and he has to kind of like drive it. He kind of has a little bit of a goofy expression on his face. Right. You know, it's not like he's not like the perfect, like James Bond, like I'm going to get out of this situation no matter what. Like he was like holding on for dear life and i liked that that bit of humanity that he had and uh he's so very different than than hawkeye in in this uh verse you know in that show hawkeye that we covered uh last year i believe um he's so much different it's he's got so much more i think comedy to him in, in this and i really enjoyed that I thought the energy of the, of the show was a lot of fun. I can see why anybody would gravitate towards it at a young age. It, it seems like it has a very, uh, you know, plea. It's 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 very easy to sort of consume, you know. And I liked like little things like, and I think they would appeal to people like, you know, his his office is fucking amazing because he's rich you know and it's he's got like so basically has a cool like home base essentially. Even though he's not a spy, he's not a superhero. There's these weird elements of super spy and everything and i guess it just comes from the fact that you have so much money you can kind of buy whatever you want but i really enjoyed it this episode in particular is it was the only one i watched but i do want to actually move forward with it because i loved it so much but this episode was fucking wild like what they were <laughs> like kind of proposing like what was going to be was going to be the future of like this like entertainment genre and like it essentially boiled down to people 
being in a maze, uh, sort of, being chased, <laughs> hold on, not people, girls in almost girls. wet t-shirts and yeah. short shorts, <laughs> being chased by robots and sprayed down with water. And I had the same reaction of Matt Houston when when the guy, when Cassidy was like, <laughs> okay, we don't need to see any more. And he's like, no, no, I, I want to see more. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I want to live in that future, whatever they were proposing here. But yeah, it was... It was fun. Just judging from this one episode, um, I liked his his you know assistant or his, the the lawyer that he was working with. Um, you know, I just I liked the the vibe of it. I liked uh, what was happening, and and I thought it was a lot of fun. And and Matt Houston was freaking awesome. That that mustache is freaking awesome. Mustache. <laughs> mustache rides, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Mustache yeah. rides for ten thousand dollars. That was yeah, when buddy. I first when I first watched Hawkeye years later, that's it threw me off because he didn't have the mustache in there. And that's just yep. like Lee Horsley. And he, you know, I seen I saw him in like lots of other things um in years. He was in a lot of like T V stuff, um some miniseries and stuff. But he always had the mustache and then it was gone and it just you know, um, that was such a such a part of him. <laughs> yeah. And I like the idea that he has this giant like company that he has to run. But he's like, oh, no, I want to take these cases instead. It's it's a weird it's a Batman sort of thing. Again, it's got these weird elements of like super spy slash superhero. But yet he's neither, which I I find infinitely interesting. You know what it is, is that he's a boy. That's what it is. He's, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> he's just like it, 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 he's like doing what a like a boy would do, right? Like he just yeah. He's just like I'm I'm riding horses today, and um and he's like doing these business calls, and he's like oh this is boring, and then like I'm just gonna go like oh there's a mystery over here I'm gonna go do this, and he kind of avoids the business stuff the whole episode. <laughs> people, yeah. People wa- people avoids- walk up to him with like you know. Uh, files or whatever and he's like yeah 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 and you know so yeah he's just he's a boy he just wants he just wants to have a good time that's he just wants to have fun you know and yeah. I, you know what i'm and i'm a, i am here for that energy man i am fully on board for that energy so uh only two things i'll, I'll just say you know uh the only other note i had was it it was a long ass intro by the way um, <laughs> as much yeah. as i dug it it was a long fucking intro man they uh, definitely but, cut uh, it and they cut it after the first season. It wasn't okay. as long as that. <laughs> that. That makes sense. But yeah. other than that, man, it, it was this show lived up to the hype uh, for me. Honestly, I, I thought it. I thought this episode held up well. Um, I thought his character, if if the you know if the rest of the show is indicative of it, I think his character holds up well, and I think it's a lot of fun, and I highly, highly recommend it. Awesome. What about you, Zach? Okay, my thoughts on Mustache Ride and Matt Houston. Uh, I mean, first of all, like Diallo, I watched the hell out of the show as a kid, uh, but can't remember anything now. So watching it now, I, it was like fresh eyes. I'm like, I don't remember any of this, but I do remember watching it as a kid. I remember <laughs> being the only one in the house, like I was home alone watching it at night and had, you know, I think it was on like prime time or eight, maybe nine o'clock, perhaps. I forget exactly. Yeah, it was when. late. It was late uh, night yeah, nine or 10. Yeah. 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 And, and Matt Houston, I, I knew Lee Horsley before Matt Houston when he was in sword and the sorcerer. Mm-hmm. And I love that movie. And he was sans mustache in that. And then when I saw him in this, I was like, it's like Burt Reynolds in Deliverance back in the day. And then he gets the mustache and look at him now. Actually, Burt Reynolds would be like a perfect, 
like maybe this was written for Burt Reynolds originally because I could totally see just the way he plays himself off and that kind of comedic swagger that he has. Yeah. You could have easily put in Burt Reynolds there and it would have been gold, you I know, can, like smoking the bandits that, kind of thing. That you um, said like that comedic swagger. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, that's, it's a Burt Reynolds thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then Burt Reynolds was one of the few people that could truly pull that off, but Lee Horsley pulls it off and then some, uh, what is the line at the end of the the opening where uh, his lawyer is like, you got to cock your guns or something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, something I love like that. that yeah. I always love that. I was like, that's yeah. such a badass way to end the uh, opening yeah. credits. Yeah, Joey's world is so, so bizarre um, now because now what we know about technology and what they didn't know back then and they were just speculating is really hilarious. And David Cassidy, I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh, man, you used to be like a heartthrob on the Partridge family. And now you're like this five-foot dude. Is that, <laughs> that's what he's from, right? He's he's Partridge yeah, family, right? Partridge yeah, family, he yeah. was, you know, I, I, I think I love you. And yeah, growing was... up, like, obviously being born in 78, growing up in the 80s, you, you, heard, you knew all about these people and Mama Cass and stuff. But, like, I didn't kind of like i never like had experience with them other than just knowing about the partridge family like mm. knowing that it existed i never had much experience outside of that with them yeah i think probably you you probably watched it right diallo because yeah. I, I didn't really watch the partridge family i didn't watch i mean i i've watched a metric shit ton of partridge family but i didn't really i don't really remember watching it when it was airing but i watched it and re i mean it was in reruns all the time that you know that and pretty yeah. much so um yeah but uh, yeah but he was like you know he's one of the he's a heartthrob him and um yeah sean sean cassidy at the same time right right was that his sean brother, cassidy no? who yeah. yeah sean cassidy who apparently still like performing he was in he performed at the el rey down in uh, los angeles oh, wow. not that long wow. ago but um, but yeah, seeing David Cassidy in that role, and I'm like, oh man, that must be hard as a as a young actor when you're like a teeny bop, you know, on the cover of Tiger Beat, and now you're kind of playing like this schlubby video game sleazebag, you know, who's literally giving the women a wet T-shirt contest, you know. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is, but the misogynistic '80s vibe is so nostalgically fun because you're like man we can't do any of this nowadays but it's it's entertaining as hell and i think this was the show i watched when i text you guys and i'm like everybody's fucking smiling all the time you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah everyone's having a good time it has such a lighthearted vibe to it even though you're dealing with murder so uh you know even when like the little robot dealy dealy joey or whatever kills troy donahue and you're like yeah, this guy just got murdered, and <laughs> the we're kind of laughing too. Walks away. Like, <laughs> um, it, so much fun, and I and I want to revisit this entire series. I, I didn't realize it was on for so many episodes, uh, which is fantastic, and it ran for so long. It it definitely is perfect for our show because I don't think many people know about this show. Like uh, uh, today's audience certainly does not. Our old school audience may, but maybe this is bringing a blast from the past. But yeah, no, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Kind of had like a 70s vibe in an 80s show. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. it also skirts that, like, you know, 83. You still have that that uh, feeling of 
of the 70s. Um, I've been watching a lot of Knight Rider at night before mm. we go to bed. And, um, you know, Myra doesn't quite, like, pay attention to the story or anything, but she's infinitely fascinated by the styles and everything on that show. And it is interesting because I think that was, like, 81 or 82, like, really early. And so it, it, the earlier seasons had the that 70s vibe to it, but then it goes from, like, like one season it goes from, like, like just – just straight up goes to 80s like the next season so it's, it's, it, i always find like the early 80s is always interesting to me because it always has that 70s look to it you know yeah but i love that though i mean you, you, you're it's you know click uh, what do you call it it's hitting all the bases for me yeah 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 totally and i can see why like 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 i said man it's it, it matthew man matt houston was a fun fucking show seriously like i really can't stress it enough it was a lot of fun and a lot of times you know I don't know. I just thought it was going to be a drama or something, but it had this 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 fun element to it. And once you guys said Burt Reynolds, I'm like, ah, that's I, I get that vibe, you know. And I don't, I really don't want to call him a poor man's uh, Burt Reynolds. No, and because I'm not I think he, that. he no, he has a different vibe to him. But he he's definitely has a channeling Reynolds a little bit. But he's definitely his own thing in this. Yeah, yeah, and I also, uh, you know, he. It's a damn shame. The guy has worked, right? He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's he's up until like he's been up in in the hateful eight. Like he's still working today. Yeah. 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 Totally. But I think people forget about him. You know, I think people. I think people are like, oh, that guy Lee Horsley. Yeah. Wasn't he in? Um, wasn't he in a bunch of shows in the eighties and nineties? No. They de- yeah. The guy's been in fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good pick, Diallo. Thank you for finally bringing it uh, to TV Obscura. I'm, I'm so happy we got to watch it. Uh, one, one real quick thing I want to say, like, because you, you, I, I mean, I noticed this when I was watching the episode, and um, you know, they touch on it a little bit because he's a little bit of suave and trying to taps into that James Bond thing a little bit from the 60s and 70s, where the that misogynistic elements there. But it, I, I was actually watching this episode, noticing how even though it was there, it still like wasn't as bad as we think of the past being when it comes to misogyny. Even though yeah. like a no, lot of the yeah. a lot of the women are damsels in distress, and they kind of like you know they kind of fall into these roles. But it still was sanit sort of sanitized for TV um, and uh, uh, like a broad audience. So it wasn't it wasn't that kind of thing where I think people like to say like it doesn't hold up because of you know some of those elements i actually think it's still passable to watch it's not one of those ones where it's like super yeah. cringe like i there yeah. obviously the uh the the girls and the uh the the walking through the thing was that i was like that was that was getting up on that line yeah um, <laughs> But you know, there's not a lot. There's not that. There's not like references to people's sexuality and that kind of stuff. Where in a pejorative sense, where it makes it like, um, like we can't, we can't touch this anymore. So just wanted no, to say no, that no. before we, yeah, yeah. We oh yeah, totally. And, and and I want to clarify that too. Like it's it's there's like it's something fun about it though. It, it's like it, it feels harmless. You know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that that scene that Diallo's referring to, that was a bit over, overt, but the rest of the show really wasn't uh, like that one scene, you know. And even even Matt Houston was like, "What's going on here?" Like even he was surprised, you know. So yeah, it's it's a it's got a fun energy to it, and I'm I'm a hundred percent there for it. So I definitely definitely recommend Matt Houston to anybody who hasn't seen it. Yeah, no doubt. 
Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there. I'm ADL Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The Winter Tell is almost here. And now, back to the show. All right. Another Huzzah. show that I recommend. Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Like you guys both said about Matt Houston, uh, you both watched Matt Houston but kind of didn't remember it. I watched the shit ton out of Scarecrow and Mrs. King as a kid, but I couldn't tell you any particular episode or anything like that. Um, in actuality, uh, you know, Diallo and Zach know offline, I was kind of going back and forth if I wanted to do Scarecrow, Mrs. King, or Hunter because they kind of have the exact same, you know, thing with it. Like, I watched them both and I don't remember either, but uh, we went with Scarecrow and Mrs. King, and then both uh, Zach and Diallo kind of uh, would would wanted that one, kind of pushed for that one. So I was like, all right. I mean, it's got Bruce Boxleitner in it. Why not, right? It's got fucking Come Tron, on. for Christ's sake. So, <laughs> Scarecrow and Mrs. King uh, aired from October 1983 to May of 1987 for a total of four seasons on CBS. It was created by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. Uh, they both worked on, they're both producers, writers, and I think helped co-create uh, Lois and Clark uh, and Supernatural. Now, I see Lois and Clark, I can I can see that, because this whole show is about, like, you know, kind of keeping things secret while trying to balance what you're, you know, you're, what you're doing on the side and everything. But uh, the show starred Kate, uh, Kate Jackson, of course, Charlie's Angels, uh, and Bruce Boxleitner fucking Tron, and as divorced housewife Amanda King and agency spy Lee Stetson, a.k.a. Scarecrow. They develop an unusual partnership and eventual romance after encountering each other at a train station. Uh, King and Stetson have to keep their relationship secret to keep her family safe. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> uh, some notable cast, like overall, uh, Beverly Garland, uh, she was in It Conquered the World. Um, Mel Stewart, we know him from Dead Heat. And Martha Smith, we know from Animal House and Broadcast News. Yep. Uh, so basically, he's a spy. He works for just the quote-unquote the agency. Scare I'm talking about Scarecrow, Bruce Boxleitner, a.k.a. Uh, Lee Stetson. Um, so he works for this agency, which you kind of assume they're, they're the good guys, right? But they don't have a name to them or anything. And they have a really cool, like, underground base and whatnot. So he's a spy. 
he kind of bumps into what uh, we watched the first episode, and I actually watched the first and the second episode. But he bumps into Mrs. King at a train station, has to give her this package, uh, and then she to, to deliver to somebody else because he's in trouble. She kind of doesn't do it. He tracks her down to sort of get it back again. Hijinks ensue. She kind of gets brought into the world, and she's got like two kids. She's recently divorced, got a mom that she's living with, and everything. And it's just. It's a lot of fun watching them try to like her has she has to make up like excuses why she's not at home for something. He's kind of apprehensive about bringing her in to, as a spy and everything. But after she does such a great job on sort of the first case that she's involved with that his boss played by Mel Stewart kind of uh, brings her in and everything and they just kind of get closer and closer and it's very episodic. You know, the, the second episode they have to go and uh, be husband and wife in the suburbs and uh, you know, there's jokes like oh, nothing dangerous ever happens in the suburbs and you know shootouts happen and stuff like that and it's just it's just it's a lot of fun and re-watching it now for for this for tv obscura i'm like i can see why i loved it as a kid i i'm not gonna lie to you i cannot confirm whether I knew as a kid that Scarecrow was Tron. I don't know if I actually <laughs> fucking knew that that at all, but I can only tell you, I can assume that I that was a part of me liking the show was because I must have had some kind of recognition uh, to him. But also, too, it, it takes place in D.C., uh, there's a lot of stuff that's actually filmed in DC, which is really neat. You can tell they filmed some other stuff in California too, but it looks like they, they tried to do a lot of pickup shots in DC, which I really, really liked. And the energy kind of like Matt Houston, the energy of this show is very, you know, it's not quite tongue in cheek. We're not talking about get smart or something like that. Right. But it has this element of, amusement and humor to it but yet there's still an element of threat you know people can still die and everything but you you know scarecrow and mrs king aren't gonna die it's just not gonna happen and then of course slowly over time they they have a relationship and all this kind of stuff happens and it kind of like i think it ended with with them you know getting married so i think we actually saw the 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 actual fruition of their relationship and whatnot which i think is really nice um, but again i remember loving this as a kid didn't understand why his name was Scarecrow as a kid, but okay, I get it now. It's his code name. Um, didn't remember a single episode from it, but watching these two episodes now, I loved it. I was like, I felt like a kid again. Love seeing the, you know, the 1983 fashion and everything. Thought it was awesome. But more than anything, I just, I really, really liked Kate uh, Jackson and Bruce Boxleitner together. I And I think that's why the show probably worked for as long as it did. They had a fantastic chemistry and i've watched charlie's angels but i wasn't like a huge charlie's angels fan as a kid um so i, I didn't really recognize her from that I, I mostly recognize her from this but i loved it loved it as a kid love it now wish it was on amazon prime or something i, I would watch the fucking shit out of it uh, if it was but right now like the best quality version you can find is on daily motion so go check that out uh, uh zach what, what did you think of scarecrow and mrs king well i think it's safe to assume that kate jackson is the first official vocal fry oh, type yeah. actress <laughs> um because i'm watching this and i'm like she was vocal fry before vocal fry i i didn't watch charlie's angels but i remember she was always like the she was like the friend that comes along 
for the ride. You know, no, I I knew she's one of the angels, but she was the Miranda on, on Sex yes. in the City. Like that's who she yeah. was. Totally. Yeah. I was good. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, like, what was was she the the quirky nerd? Like, I can't remember what she was like I, on I Charlie's mean, Angels. Yeah, she wasn't like the um, she wasn't the one of the the hot ones, quote unquote. She was like one of the she, you know. She was like the passable brunette, which is <clears throat> ironic because I think she's very beautiful. But you know, I, yeah, I think so right. too. Well, and she, I, I remember seeing her in Lover Boy, which is a really great Patrick Dempsey comedy. Um, great, and movie. she's got a huge role in that. Great movie, and, and great. It's so good. So everybody needs to go and watch that. But um, like you, I watched the hell out of this as a kid, and again, I don't remember any of it. So watching the pilot again, I was like, oh, I like this more now because I didn't get it back then. The subject matter was just wasn't of interest to me. Uh, I didn't I didn't like care for the romantic storyline because I was like playing with my G.I. Joes and I wanted action. And um, but the music, I was like, man, this music just hooks you in. It's so much fun. Uh, it, it reminded me a little bit of Cloak and Dagger score, the, the 80s movie, just in that playful yet spy. I love this like. It's playful, but also there's an underlying threat through the whole thing, yeah. you know. And then uh, in the pilot episode, John John Saxon pops up, which is really cool. I, I was going to mention that I think he's only in the pilot as because he doesn't go away, but I think he's like the main boss. But then after that, you you only uh, kind of only work with um, Mel Stewart moving forward. Which makes sense. I mean, at the time, John Saxon was a pretty big deal. So, yeah. like, getting him as a cameo is a is is a plus. Uh, yeah, the the show's so much fun. I agree with you. The the early '80s fashion is hilarious, especially uh, her embodiment of as a housewife with just the ridiculous decor on the walls in the house and the dynamics with the kids. It's a really cool concept. Um, that probably has been done since, but maybe this is like the framework for all of that. You know, the benchmark. Uh, I, I, I loved it. I loved watching the, the pilot again. Um, it, it goes by super fast, just like Matt Houston did, but yeah. in a different way. This, this has a different pacing to it. It's more like uh, Matt Houston does, does have a, uh, it has a, what do you call it? Um, Matt Houston does have a, broadcast and so does this but they're different in tone because because lee horsley carries the show without lee horsley there is no show but in scarecrow and mrs king there's like the the storyline with scarecrow the storyline with kate jackson's character mrs king and then the storyline with the two of them together and which is so neat there's like three things going on at once there's almost like not enough time in the episode for everything. And I do think from the ones yeah. I saw, they do a good job of packing everything in. But I think that goes to the point of what you're saying is it's a really fast show. It goes by quickly, even though it's an hour long show. Cause there's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. And, and so again, I, I think it's great that we pick these three distinctly different shows because they all have a, a, a different tone to them. But again, everybody's fucking smiling in this except for John Saxon. He doesn't smile. No, no not at all. Not at all. He never <laughs> smiles. <laughs> Did, yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I'm happy. Diallo, what's your experience with Scarecrow and Mrs. King? Yeah, I mean, it, just like kind of echoing what you both said, I I mean, I actually remember sitting down to watch the premiere um, way back in the day that I distinctly remember that night, um, like at my grandmother's and me, I think me and my cousin were watching it. 
and um, then going to school the next day and talking about it. Oh, I see that show. Yeah, I like it's weird because I don't. It's like I knew Tron was in it. I think at the time, but at the same, but there's like a disconnect. Maybe because my I was a younger brain, and like it, there's like a disconnect, right? So I don't like I knew it was Tron, but then I didn't care per se that it was Tron. Um, um, and then you yeah, know that wasn't like a point that you you dwelled on because he does a good job of just becoming Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like you know. I mean, I love Tron to death, but we. St- Still haven't had a movie that's actually about Tron, but anyways, I won't. I won't really get into that. <laughs> you, you know, um, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um. And but you know, and then uh, but I think for a lot of people, I will I will speak for the people at of the time. I think a lot of people showed up because of Kate Jackson actually, and um, because Charlie's Angels, you know, just a few years before, and even I think around that time, it was like, it was one of the biggest things ever. And, um, so yeah, her going on to a new show, it was, you know, I kind of think of this as like a vehicle actually for her, especially and, and for Mm, Bruce Boxleitner, but it was more like, I think like, it was like, Oh, let's give her a show. And they built something around her. Um, but yeah, we I watched it. So I didn't watch it as religiously as um, you know, like I did like Matt Houston, but I did like pop in for a few years, but I do remember at a certain point when their relationship got solidified, it was almost like moonlighting when um yeah. they got together or totally. um, yeah, and it just kind of it lost that pop or and it just yeah. it, there's something about it that changed. And again, my brain at the Attention. time yeah. didn't yeah. really I couldn't really understand it, but it's just like I immediately just lost all interest in the show and I don't think I watched the last, you know, season or two or however long that that relationship, the solidified relationship lasted. But and he's watching this pilot though, like just like you guys, it was just it was uh, it was such a joy. Like I was watching it and just it, it was partly remembering the time i think like you know this this era of tv is like so important to me because i as i'm watching this i'm just remembering all these other shows that were on all the other networks at the time even if i didn't actually watch them i knew and i knew all the theme songs and i'd watch parts of them and stuff Hardcastle McCormick and stuff. They all came on around that time. Heart to heart. You know, Hardcastle. Yeah. And so, and so it just like, it just took me back to that time. And it's just, it's, it's, there's a, there's an innocence and a fun about it that I don't think like, like I think we're too cynical now to be able to really do a show. Like I, you know, I, I often say like, Oh, they could redo this, but I don't know that we could redo this show in particular because there's a yeah there's like a innocence about it um the straightforwardness about it and i think we're so cynical that either they would go too dark or they would like make fun of the concept which i don't like when people do that in reboots either right um but yeah it was it was really fun it was really great simple concept but it's also genius at the same time <laughs> yeah. and uh, <laughs> You know, yep. um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I actually want to go back, just like with Matt Houston. I actually want to go back and find like 
the the previous seasons and just rewatch them if I can have them on in the background. I would love that. I would absolutely love yeah. it. Same. Yeah, if, if if this was also streaming somewhere free or even with ads, I don't care. Just as long as I can stream it somewhere, I would I would love that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you both guys both liked it. I agree with everything you both just said. Um, yeah, I, I think this definitely inhabits a particular time and everything. And it's like you said, it's also a vehicle for Bruce Boxleitner and, and her. And it's like I just can't picture anyone else in there. And they both have a very specific quality about them that I have never really seen other people sort of, you know, inhabit. So I just, it, it is what it is. And I don't, you know, I just want it to live where it lives. And I think it's worth revisiting if, if you have never seen it or if uh, you have seen it before, I think it holds up as well as you remember it does. One thing that I actually think is pretty interesting about the concept actually, and for its time also is that Kate Jackson is like this divorced mother and especially at the time like divorce wasn't as like you know divorce now is like like oh we're breaking up like yeah you know yeah no big deal (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know back in the day it was like a big thing so the idea of like the single mother who was actually dating in the in the pilot she's like dating somebody else and and she's trying to like trying to make it like that was such a that actually was a concept that like hadn't really been covered before because social so socially socially it hadn't it hadn't been a thing that we had really touched on kind of like the the video game stuff in the the matt houston episode you know so i just i don't know i just like the way that she I, i just Thinking about the way that she, her energy that she brought to the role made me think about that because she was kind of like capable. Um, it was almost like she uh, she wasn't given credit for having brains and she was actually able to do all of the spy stuff a lot easier than the spies were able to do because she just was able to make observations that they weren't able to make. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it just yeah. like, yeah, it, it was it, like, it, it was like it, a empowerment kind of a, a role for her. Like, especially in the, in this era, 1983, totally. it was like kind of a, the, in that regard, it was way ahead of its time. Yeah. I want to elaborate on that. Cause I didn't think about that until you just sort of made your point. Um, she doesn't bumble her way through the the cases like she handles them competently with with no training she just sort of does things as she thinks as she thinks would be probably logical or whatever but she gets she gets like sort of in danger she gets herself out of that danger she kind of like like i said she doesn't like just bumble her way through it she's capably making it through it without any spy training you know i think that's i think that's a an important aspect of her character that i think uh they handled correctly She's a strong mom. She's yeah. a strong mom. Yeah, the hard, and it's the hardest job in the world, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. This is the hardest job in the world. Amen to that. Um, yeah, and it's almost like if she had been born in, like, it's almost the message of it is like if she had been born in an era where women were given more um, like agency and leeway to do those sort of things, she this is where she would have ended up in the first place. I think that's right. kind of like the one of those underlying messages you can pull yeah. out from it. And that that she she, just, she belongs there just as much as anybody else does, essentially. Yeah. She just wasn't yeah. because of society or whatever, she just wasn't given that route or opportunity to, but she given the given the um, you know, things in front of her, she handles it like a literally like a pro. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. she does. Yeah, she does. Uh, glad you guys liked that. Loved going down memory lane with you for, for Scarecrow and Mrs. King and for Matt Houston. But, uh, Zach, you're going to take us home. And as per usual, your pick is the <laughs> the deepest the deepest of the cuts, uh, almost to the point where the episode we had to watch on, on, uh, on YouTube had, like, a timestamp on it and everything because it's, like, it was for the composer to actually use, you know, and everything. But, uh, but... For me, this episode's a hat trick because I love all three shows, including The Insiders. Zach, you want to talk about that? You want to talk about what uh what the serial killer cop from uh, the Dead Zone is doing afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> that right? blew me away, by the way. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine... Being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. And now, back to the show. Yeah, no, so, yeah, Corey's right. This is one of the, the this is definitely the deepest cut of the, of our episode. Um, don't bother trying to go out and find this series outside of the pilot that is on YouTube. And Corey's right. It's the composer's copy. So that's who, that's why it uh, has the timestamp. And then somewhere mid episode, there's a weird glitch where the producer like rewound it and then played it or something. It's a fever dream moment, but uh, it's worth it. Um, yeah, this, this, this show will probably never see the light of day uh, because of the fact that very similar to Miami Vice. There's so much music in this series that probably so much needs Phil to be, Collins. <laughs> yes, so oh, much music that so needs to be good. licensed, probably. Uh, so we'll never, unfortunately, see the 13 episodes that aired. But The Insiders was a TV show that aired in 1985, the fall of 85, for 13 episodes. Uh, apparently, 16 were officially shot, but only 13 aired. It was created by Leonard Hill, who apparently has like a history of doing uh, very like a lot of television dramas, but it was writing the coattails of Miami Vice. And so, um, you know, obviously Miami Vice was hot in 84, 85 and on NBC and ABC wanted to compete with that. So ABC picked up this show that was very different in premise, but had a lot of elements that uh, Miami Vice obviously kind of started um it stars nicholas campbell from yes the dead zone and (laughs) that's one of his biggest claims to fame he plays nick fox uh, a undercover reporter for a newspaper called the uh news called newspoint and he is uh he's he's aided in his episodes by like a, an ex-con kind of hustler named James Mackey. 
played by Stoney Jackson. I'll get to him in a second because there's a lot to talk about regarding Stoney. Um, and Stoney, the backstory is that Nick uh, was the only one that believed in Mackie, uh, got him out of prison, helped him kind of change his life around, and now he's committed to Nick. And so Mackie knows that Nick's an undercover reporter, and the newspaper editor, uh, his Alice West, and she is played by uh, Gail Strickland, who I'm like, she looks really familiar. I I know her from Seinfeld. She was on a couple episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, Apparently she was on Dark Shadows with Kate Jackson was on Dark Shadows as well. So there's a nice little connection there. There's always a connection with one of our shows. Yeah, Um, (laughs) always. She's like the editor of the the newspaper. She knows uh, Nick Fox's identity as well. I watched this show religiously as a kid. Uh, I think I probably watched all 13 episodes uh, because what hooked me in was the intro music to mm. this show. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the song Just a Job to Do by Genesis is one of, in my opinion, one of the best Genesis songs that is not super well known. It's got a great hook. Uh it's a great workout song. It's on my workout mix. <laughs> and it's off the Genesis album with the, it's a black album with like yellow uh, shapes on it. And it's just simply yeah. titled Genesis. Yeah. It, that's my favorite Genesis album, by the way. Um, I was a big Genesis fan as a kid. Yeah, this, that album, if you don't know it or haven't heard it in a while, go check it out because it's so good. But yeah, that song hooked me in. Um, and the, 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 the kind of Michael Mann-esque uh, title cards and like just the way it's edited, blah, blah, blah. But that from that point forward, that's about it. The connection with Miami vice, um, Nick and, and, and Mackie have a great relationship together. Uh, very heartfelt in the pilot episode. It concerns, uh, car thieves and Mackie's best friend is a car thief. His best friend, by the way, is a terrible actor. <laughs> uh, and probably the only part of the, ep- of the show that really kind of brings it down a notch in my opinion is is this guy's really bad performance <laughs> but it's almost bad in a fun way um th- then nick nick and mackie try to break up this car kind of car ring that's going on uh and it's very like all the episodes following that are very cookie cutter in that sense of like you know a lot of crime and they're busting people that you know have done things that are illegal (laughs) so um but this show had a lot of cool guest stars as well at one point uh michael debars is on a lot of episodes and he was michael debars if you don't know who he is he was a a front man for a uh like an england pop man back in the 80s he was in like nine and a half weeks and um a ton of like 80s he always played like a kind of a cool bad guy in a lot of movies. Uh, he's great. And then Tia Carrere shows up in one episode. <laughs> uh, Diane Franklin, a podcasting after dark interview alum, yep. uh, shows up in an if episode. Lynn Whitfield, uh, before she was anything kind of big. Stacy Nelkin from yep. uh, seasons of the season of the witch. Yep. Halloween three shows mm-hmm. up in an episode. Like again, great uh, act Paul Coslow, who is from uh, our favorite uh, stop motion robot movie, Robot Jocks. Mm-hmm. And he shows up in an episode. Dean Devlin, the producer director now, but uh, who's a mainstay in a lot of 80s 
TV shows and movies. Bo- showed up Belinda in Bauer, who was in, I know her from Robocop 2, but she was also in Flashdance and UHF. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, like, again, I can I can list off all the people that are in these shows, but you'll never see them because the, the only uh, episode that exists is this pilot episode. But it's a pretty damn good pilot episode. The relationship between the two leads is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, I interviewed Stoney Jackson for a $2 late fee, and he talked about The Insider uh, on that interview. And he said in the interview that ABC... Uh, wanted this show because of the whole Miami Vice thing. The producer, though, uh, you know, this was his baby. The head of the studio loved this show, but then the studio head got, uh, he got booted, and the show got booted because of that. Yeah, You know, it's just simply one of those things. It was doing pretty well in the ratings, but, uh, you know, heads changed, and suddenly they're like, oh, yep, you know, we don't need this anymore, so... And and at the time, uh, Stoney Jackson was making, uh, he was doing a pilot for Stir Crazy. They were making a Stir Crazy TV show, and he was playing the role of Richard Pryor in that. Uh-huh. And so, uh, Stoney Jackson was on like every uh, t- guest starred on every TV show back in the '80s, and is credited for kind of uh, helping Michael Jackson uh, with the Moonwalk. Oh. And that's oh, okay. a but you can hear that story on $2 Lafey. Anyways, um, this this show, though, overall, I loved it because it's got everything I love from the 80s. The fashion, the music, yep. and yeah. just the, the 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 overall style and, and the edginess. It does have a level, even though it's comedic throughout the whole thing, it does get edgy at times. Uh, when Mackie's buddy gets killed, there's a very emotional scene between uh, Nick and Mackie at Nick's place. And it, it, it like kind of adds to the depth of who these people are. B.B. Um, King had a, has a song featured in the episode, and that's from um, a movie called Into the Night. And it was directed by John Landis with um, oh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer if you, yeah. and David Bowie. If you guys have never seen that movie, you should check it out. But that song, I'm like, wait a minute, I know that song. That Oh, yeah, that's from the movie Into the Night. It's, it's like B.B. King with like synth behind him. And yeah. it's kind of cool. Blues and synth mixed together. Uh, one of my favorite B.B. King songs. Anyways, uh, I love The Insiders. I think it's a it's a hidden gem. Uh, I wish more people could see it. And well, now you can because Corey will put the links in the show notes. As uh, choppy as that uh, pilot episode is, it's, it's still worth watching it in is. my opinion. It Corey, is worth watching. Take it away. Yeah, buddy. That this this show was cool, man. It was it was everything you think it's gonna be for a a LA based Miami Vice sort of not ripoff because it just it didn't feel like a ripoff. No. It just it felt like an homage. It felt like like yeah, just like a natural thing that's gonna just appear next to Miami Vice, you know. It's but, piggybacking on the 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 Miami Vice craze. Yeah, exactly. And I you know like I like the fact that you know Stony Jackson, uh, you know his character um, uh, James Mackey, and then uh, Nicholas Campbell, his character Nick Fox, they have a different kind of energy together which I, I really enjoyed. It was something that I feel like you don't see too often. It was it was a very 
much a mutual respect kind of relationship, even though it sort of started out maybe in a, you know, a sort of different way. But I liked how it is on the show, like meaning like before the show, like their, their sort of history or whatever. I like yeah. where it is where the show starts, the pilot. I like their their relationship together feels feels honest. Um, if the energy of it, I very much enjoy because it's kind of like they're from two different sides of the of the tracks type of thing, but they have a mutual respect and a mutual love. Um, again, you know, seeing Nicholas Campbell, not you know, uh, I mean, that in the Dead Zone, it was a movie that my wife and I just watched like probably four months ago for the first time. So it's really fresh in my head. Although I had seen the scene, you know, where he kills himself with the the scissors because it's so intense. But to see yeah. him in that movie and then come to here. I I really liked him in this. Like I liked his energy in this. He's got a very unique look. He almost has a scary look that that I don't know how to place it. He has an intense he has an intensity to him that I I really enjoy here. But the, this episode was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff going on. One of my notes was I, I was like uh, Stony Jackson was definitely uh, channeling. I, I'd say Eddie Murphy during when they kind of go undercover, but maybe he was channeling Richard Pryor a little bit to kind of you know in his mindset. And he has a prince look to him, like if you know <laughs> if you take yourself back to 1985, his look. He could have was... been in the revolution. Yeah. I mean, he was on f like that is a hot look. Oh yeah, from 1985. He I was mean, that guy knows style. He and, knows and he style. Was, and he was the poster boy for uh, Soul Glow, but uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but like one of the things, so you mentioned his friend, and I agree with you. He wasn't the best actor, but that scene where he gets killed. The, what I liked about this this show, or at least this episode that we were able to see. The, the guy that kills him, right? I think his name was Felix or something on yeah, the show. Yep. I like that that guy wasn't like a complete bastard. Like you could tell that he was kind of like didn't want to do it, but sort of yeah. had to do it. And yes, it's things that we see nowadays, like like giving even minor characters some grayness to them is something we see nowadays. But I don't think it was as prevalent back in um, 1985 when, when this first came out. So that was kind of, that indicated to me that this show was kind of firing on a different level than I think, you know, was probably the norm at the time. Um, but the episode as a whole was a ton of fun. Totally different from the other two shows that, that we watched, you know, tonight. And uh, I definitely get the Miami Vice vibes from it. Would, do I think this has the same legs that Miami Vice has? Probably not, because Don Johnson's in just a whole other category. But I think given a shot, this show could have had some legs for sure, because it was a lot of fun. This, this episode was a lot of fun, just like the other two shows, in a different way, of course. Yeah, I would say I would agree with you on the Don Johnson tip, uh, and I would say that you know Don Johnson, as much as I love Philip Michael Thomas, and I do, mm -hmm. Don Johnson kind of carried the meat of the acting in that series kind of like Stoney Jackson carries the meat of the acting in this. And, and uh, from what I remember, the, like the, the episodes that progressed, it was very equal as about who, like who got screen time uh, on this, on this show. It was very much 50, 50. And, and you're saying about Nicholas Campbell having like a unique look. He has like a gaunt, kind of look to him and not your typical like hunk like leading man kind of look yeah. so i think what and that's what offset the two of them had 
uh, were just different looking as well. You know, and they they met on a a movie prior to this called Knights of the City. If you want to see like a really fun offbeat movie, uh, it's about a gang that wants to like uh, become hip hop artists in 1985. And it's directed by Leon Isaac Kennedy, I think, from Penitentiary fame. Uh, Knights of the City. And you guys should definitely check that one out. It's oh, it's not directed by Leon Isaac Kennedy. I think he wrote it. But it's uh, that's free on YouTube. You should, and it's like kind of Nicholas Campbell and Stoney Jackson both had big roles in that. They did not know Nicholas Campbell got this show, The Insiders, and uh, and then Stoney came in to audition for it, and the rest is history. But and, and there you go. And just and before Diallo jumps in, I just want to reiterate how obscure this is uh, because of Zach. Um, If you look on IMDb, if you go to the actual episodes, there's only one picture for the pilot. The the other episodes have no pictures whatsoever. And the one picture that there is for the pilot (laughs) is a screen cap from the YouTube video that we watched because it has the timestamp right in it. So guys and gals, the link that I posted on Patreon, it's free. If you're listening listening to this on the free feed, I always post the, uh, the episodes we're going to watch i always post them for free so you don't have to be a patreon member but you will see the only episode that you can find is the link that we have for this show so it, I, it, yeah i dig deep guys i dig do. deep and, <laughs> and i'm I, i'm also the re- the reason i i chose this one in particular was because uh i'm a huge stony jackson fan like i said he's he's on two dollar late fee the interview but uh if you don't recognize him right away he was uh bird the lead singer of the sorrells in street it's a fire. Mm. So there nice. you go. Diallo, what are your thoughts on The Insider? We watched a little bit of it together. Yeah, I, so I actually, you know, when we were watching it together that time, I was, it was one of those complete total memories unlocked because I was like, oh my God, <laughs> nice. I used, I was actually, I used to watch this. Like I used to watch it every, every night. And I don't, I did not even remember the show until the moment we were watching it. And I was like, yeah, I remember this. I used to watch this. I used to love this. And what you were actually saying about how it was canceled kind of brought back like a memory. Cause I remember like it just was gone all of a sudden and I didn't know yes. why. And I remember just kind of being like, Oh, it's gone. And then, you know, you just kind of move on with life. Um, but that explains like what happened to it, because actually I do remember it being like pretty engaging and the show that I would like I would look forward to um, in the evenings when it come on. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the things that like, uh, you know, the draw, I think, as you know, being a young uh, black kid in the in the 80s was Stoney Jackson, actually. And, you know, he was in Beat It, right? And yep. he was in um, he was in the White Shadow, which is um, yep. that is like was a classic show for uh, for a gr- uh, growing up. Um, and you know, two two seven, yeah, two two seven, another show. Like these are all shows, you know, it was like being like being black in the eighties. Like you you watched all of these things, but it was almost like he was a part of like that community. So it was like, he was, yeah, yep. I think, I feel like he was a bigger star with like us than he might've been in like sort of like popular culture. 
Um, he was yeah, on every cover of like uh, teen beat type stuff yeah. too back in the day. Yeah, he had that look, right? He had he had the look like this in wrestling, right? And so he um, yeah, he definitely, you know, and it, it was like he never quite like hit big like you like kind of would want him to, I think. But it it you know doesn't matter. He he was like a cool dude. I remember the show, and like one of the things I actually liked about it was that like. Obviously, it was taking a it was like a spin on Miami Vice, but they weren't like uh, law enforcement. So he was um, like he was a undercover investigative reporter. And then Sony Jackson's character was more of like a street hustler. But like he like he had made it right. So he had like Mm -hmm. he had all the hookups and and he wasn't into bad stuff. But he just kind of like, you know, he he was very like he knew about stock tips and all all that stuff. So he was he was the guy car, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like I liked that dynamic because it was kind of like playful and fun. But like because it wasn't like cops, they could play a lot looser with things. Um, and there also was like a little bit more of a sense of helping the people that needed help. Like you kind of get out of like um, the A team and that kind of stuff. Um, totally. And notice. Yeah, that's a great connect comparison. Um, but it, what, one thing I want to uh, uh, go back to just real quick is um, the friend. <laughs> I mean, I had to do. I actually had to do research for this, and I couldn't find it. And I think it's. I think because. Zach, you picked a show that's so obscure that I think this is so obscure that he's not even credited for this. But I believe he is played by Benny. Benny's my name uh, from Total Recall. I okay, Diallo. I thought that too. I can't um, yes, find on, him. I looked I, I it know. up. Yeah, I know. And because on, on IMDb. For this first episode, you even that guy Felix is quote unquote uncredited, so it's mm-hmm. only the main people. But as I was watching it, I felt the exact same way. I was like, "Is is that is that fucking Benny from fucking Total Recall from yeah. Total Recall? Yeah, <laughs> Total Recall. Yeah, Kim Cattrall." <laughs> So I mean I, I truly like I truly think it's him and like you know given, let's just like, say it is let's just say it is yeah. yeah no I mean the fact that you thought so we you and I both thought the exact same thing <laughs> yeah yeah and you know it, like it, it it could have been earlier in his you know career or what you know whatever but it, you know it could have been somebody else but he definitely I definitely thought it was him um, but one of the you know again one of the things kind of like uh, with um, Midnight Caller actually we did um, oh, a, yeah. a little while back. Mm. Like, uh, because it was in this era, you know, I remember, obviously, Miami Vice had, like, you know, they, they were just known for the, you know, Phil Collins, um, I can feel it coming in the air. I mean, that was, like, the biggest thing at the time. Yeah. Um, and so they were really big on putting, set, like, music into these shows to set the mood. And watching this episode, I know you already covered uh, Into the Night. Um, you covered uh, Just a Job to Do uh, by Genesis. Um, but they were, you know, a smooth operator came on and yeah. I almost yeah. lost smooth my mind. Yeah, smooth operator. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and then Relax, <laughs> yeah, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Like, yep. Like my, my mind was blown watching this episode just for the music, you know? 
Yeah, when I texted you guys, I texted you guys and I, I was like, yeah, when I'm done with this, it's going to be a Phil Collins music day after that. Because I just was like, <laughs> oh, I'm pumped. I got to go listen to Phil Collins for the rest of the day. Because it was just like, you know, they kept playing the theme song over and over. But I think they didn't play it enough, in my in my opinion. So that that part was really great. And like kind of, again, setting that 80s vibe. But it was in the 80s. So they weren't trying to set an 80s vibe. Um, it just, yeah. they were just being what what it was and um i just think i really love that i really loved it yeah yeah it it, yeah i love it and it breaks my heart at the same time knowing that unless someone had bootlegged these episodes we're never gonna get to see the other ones you know because the the music alone and rightfully so the the artists need to be paid for their music but you're never gonna see it because the studios won't shell out the the money for it which they should because this show's unique enough to be revisited. The licensing for or whatever fees for Genesis alone and Smooth Operator probably will outweigh anything that they make back from uh, releasing. And I get that. Like, I I totally I get that from a business standpoint. I, I, I really do really do. But at the same time, I also don't think the idea that like letting a piece of art just disappear because of monetary constraints is the right choice either. There has to be something in the middle, you know what I mean? But we we say this time and time again, this is the reason we don't see a lot of these shows popping up on on DVD or Blu-ray is because of the of the music and everything, the music rights. And and if if this came out, you know, uh, now and they put it out, but they're like, you know, we got to take away the Phil Collins and everything. No, no, then don't put it out because yeah. it's as, it's as much of a part of the DNA for this show as it is for Miami Vice. Don't fucking change the music. I, I don't know what the answer is. The answer is just fucking put it out and everyone just be cool. I'm with you, Zach. Yes, everyone should get paid. Yes, I I I, I get that. I'm also for that as well. But then does that mean that this should just disappear? Because like, we can't yeah, figure right. it fucking out, you know? Like, this, this show's fucking awesome. All these shows are awesome, and they're all very hard to get for very various reasons. Although this one is probably because of the music. Because the music's fucking insane in this show. It's awesome. Might have to change my name to Deep Cut Zach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Deep Cut Zach, baby. You would think with, uh, like with streaming, it would be easier to put a lot of these shows up at a like a sort of like a lower cost because you're not having to yeah. produce the the digital like the digital formats or like the physical formats. I mean, so you could it, it could exist digitally and um, passively. You could have a lot of these shows on and, and maybe make money that way. Um, Come on, Disney Plus, you own ABC. Right? <laughs> yeah, you own everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but. yeah, it, 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 it would, it would be really fun, to, especially this one, because like, it's just so hard to find. It would be really fun to be able to watch the show and to actually see where it was headed. And like I said, I, my memory of it was like, I was really kind of into the show and then it was gone and I didn't think about it again until the year 2022. So I, I wouldn't well, be surprised if there's like a German DVD out there or something, you know, that has all the music rights. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But 
all three of these shows, you know, were, were so different, uh, yet oddly kind of had a lot of Venn diagram crossover and everything, but definitely inhabited different, I wouldn't say different genres, but just different areas of, of our, of our childhood. But it was, they were all fun to revisit. Um, my final thoughts, I loved each and every one of them. Um, I would recommend each and every one of them and all for various different reasons that, that we covered. But I think the takeaway is that shows that are fun, I think shows that are fun stand the test of time. I think all three of these shows uh, held up very well in, in 2020 viewing, um, two of which I'd never seen before, and one of which, fuck, I barely remembered, so it's almost like I'm watching it new now. And every single one of them held up in 2022 for me for various reasons. Uh, but the one thing I think they all had over a cross-section Venn diagram is that they were all fun. All three of these shows were a blast to watch. And uh, it's a damn shame that Insiders didn't make it past uh, 13 episodes. And it's even further of a damn shame that we can't see like pretty much any of it, you know, except for the, the pilot, which is, like you said, really fucking weird because the person recording it rewinds it uh, a couple minutes and you have to rewatch the same scene twice. You're almost forced to. You're like, <laughs> was, why? Good, but the time creepy. counter keeps going. It's really weird. It's, it's, it's really odd. weird. Yeah. Um, but Scarecrow you, is king. When they watch it, they'll they'll know why he rewound it. It's kind of creepy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I oh I I, I kind of yes I'm with you there. <laughs> but yeah, Scarecrow, Mrs. King, a lot of fun, very different. Uh, and Matt Houston lived up to all expectations. Absolutely adored Matt Houston. And honestly, if I had if I could only pick one of the three to to watch again. It'd probably be Matt Houston. Love that mustache. What can I say? Uh, Diallo, <laughs> final thoughts on all three shows? Yeah, mustaches are coming back, actually. I don't know if you've seen uh, Maverick yet, but they're they're definitely coming back. So, um, And uh, a character on um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, Kirk's Kirk, brother. Kirk's dad has yeah, a, sweet, yeah, has a, yeah, has a pretty sweet a mustache. mustache yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, anyways, yeah, I loved actually, you know, I re I really loved watching Matt Houston again. Loved it like as much as I loved it back in the day. Um, definitely going to be putting that on my watch queue somehow. I know there's some. I read that there's some like DVD um, DVDs out there with them, so I might try to track some down and and get a hold of them. Um, it was really great watching um, Scarecrow and Mrs. King again. Um, again, there was a, it was a show I remember towards the tail end, I kind of, it lost its pop for me, but that for the, that first, you know, couple of years when it was right in the, the, the tightness of the premise was just, uh, it was a really fun show to watch. And again, insiders, the insiders, I <laughs> didn't remember that I watched that show, but then as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to watch this show and I'm really intrigued to be able to find um, the rest of the episodes just so I can like revisit them again. And um, it was, you know, again, a big fan of Stoney Jackson and um, just, yeah, I, oh, I love this. Sh I love the, doing the show with you guys because I get to get to revisit these you know these things that i used to love so much or sometimes casually watching i get a chance to um 
to actually sit down and watch them and stuff I haven't heard of before that I get to watch too and and watch it today and see if it holds up in my eyes in terms of like storytelling and and that kind of stuff so it was really fun loved this episode a lot loved these I loved these shows so much it was so fun yeah, and, and Zach, before we get your final thoughts, uh, I will just say that uh, one day we're gonna do uh, Sledgehammer, one of my favorite shows when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. and that that would have been a that kind of would have worked kind of well in this little this little theme that we had oh, yeah. going on. Yeah. Was that a thirty minute show? Wasn't yeah, that was yeah, that was, was. A, like a sitcom comedy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah so yeah. We'll, we'll do Sledgehammer one of these days. But Trust uh, me, Zach, what, what were doing. you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Zach, what were your final thoughts on all three shows? Final thoughts are thank you, thank you, and you're welcome. That's it. No. Um, yeah, both shows, Scarecrow, uh, uh, Matt Houston, not not to be confused with the wrestler Matt Houston, who was in world class championship <laughs> wrestling for a cup of coffee. Uh, great fun show. Everybody's fucking smiling. This is like the smiling. I'm just like, okay, I'll smile too. Scarecrow, it's infectious. It's infectious. Scarecrow is like. Uh, like what a it could it's very cinematic in the way it's shot it's like very high quality you can tell they put a shit ton of money into that show that was one of my notes uh good production quality for scarecrow mrs king yeah almost like even you know and matt houston and and i still love it anyways but matt houston you know when they're filming it in his house it's a set It, it looks like a set but then in scarecrow it like looks like a real house and Mm -hmm. and god there's a shot of like these like quilted pillow animals on the on her wall uh, like the second floor and like oh it's so god awful such a housewife shit but it's such like so well set decorated yeah um yeah so the two both shows great and then the insiders it's like it's everything i love about the 80s it's nostalgia to the highest degree i i get all the feels watching it and i wish i want to i want to watch it again and again because i just love everything about it everything about it so i'm glad i can bring it to the table uh and yeah i i a a fun show to uh you know these are long episodes but they didn't feel long at all all three of them so i was so happy to revisit all of them yeah me me too and uh zach when is the stony jackson interview dropping on two dollar late yes so all month long on two dollar late fee we are doing streets of fire so Streets of Fire episode, then a Michael Perret episode, interview, then a Michael Perret interview, uh, and then Stony Jackson's interview will drop at the end of the month, June twenty fifth. Okay, and so a couple weeks after this drops, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So look for that and find out the movie he turned down for the Insiders Oof. and the career path he might have been on if he hadn't taking the insiders it's very interesting stuff well i have my streets of fire blu-ray that i just got uh never seen it before but uh zach you know obviously we've been talking about walter hill and everything and uh i'm I'm excited to watch it i showed it to i showed it to myra because you said oh make sure myra watches watches it because you think she would like it and yeah she read the back of it she was like oh yeah i'm I'm all over this so i I plan on watching that with her but we got to watch uh uh, death spa first that's uh, that's (laughs) a a higher priority because we're recording the the review for that next week but i'm excited to watch streets of fire dude 
I just, yeah, I can't wait to have you watch it. And I just found out it's playing next month at the Aero Theater in Santa Monica, cool. uh, 70 oh, millimeter. Oh, and 70, 70 millimeter. millimeter. That's nice. I saw Lawrence of Arabia in, uh, projected in 70 millimeter um, at the uh, silver. The, it's called the Silver Spring Silver, AFI Silver in Maryland. And let nice. me tell you, it was fucking amazing. Yep. So you know what Diallo and I are doing on July 15th. And, and you, you know I'll fire. be jelly. <laughs> yes. Oh, Diallo. are we watching Text. a movie? Or what are we doing? Yeah. No, I'm just yeah, no, you're coming with me to go see Streets of Fire. <laughs> I was like, what's, wait, what's happening what now? Are we, what are we doing? You know uh, you will. You know you want to go. No, I definitely Diallo. do. I've, not, I've never seen it. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Oh. Oh, shit. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, Two I'm, people I'm, who haven't seen yeah. Streets of Fire. Very excited. Yeah. Nice. Diallo, we, we, you plugged uh, Canoe Bay early on, but uh, how's the First Noel Chronicles doing, buddy? First Noel Chronicles, I just uh, released a chapter last month. I'll be doing another one by the end of this month. Um, I'm really excited for the next couple chapters coming up because we're really getting starting to get into the meat of action and kind of setting um the tone for like who our characters are going to be for the rest of the story um and uh yeah that's it so it's working on other projects here and there and uh um but right now yeah kenobe and it's actually we've done two episodes it's actually turned out really well um uh, again jamie smith's co-host and kind of like leading the ship because you know me i just like to show up and uh yeah <laughs> yeah but she uh but yeah we're definitely having fun with it and um i'm actually finally getting a chance to vent about all my frustrations about the uh obi-wan character <laughs> after all these years when, when you say you like to show up i don't want anyone to think that you don't do your uh your 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 homework going into this because i would say that of the three of us you probably jump on all the shows immediately and uh probably watch the most extra episodes than than we usually do so diallo doesn't just show up he shows up with all of his homework done yeah it's and true. other I... people's homework done as well yeah 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 i do though i research and watch all the shows and I'm like texting you guys around but you know i'm like i'm doing so many things sometimes i just my bandwidth is enough to like have other people setting things up and i put the headphones <laughs> yeah. on the mic turn the mic on and and do it but um i appreciate uh all the work you put into it Corey, especially uh doing the editing and stuff it's I, I have to edit my podcast and it drives me nuts. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I appreciate that you you do that. Oh, thanks, man. All three of us here uh, edit various podcasts, so we all know. We all yeah. three of us get it. <laughs> Some might say we're the the Jedi's of podcast world, but and, I'm going to fall asleep now because I'm Obi Wan Kenobi and I'm tired and. <laughs> Flat. This is the way I talk. Anyway, sorry. I, I'm just glad he hasn't good. said hello there yet. <laughs> He's too depressed in the show to, to be any fun. <laughs> to say, why to do say you say I'm there? depressed? I don't know why I'm depressed. I do the same thing of and pack meat and give it to my little chimchurri camel man. Chimchurri. <laughs> uh, I wanted, yeah, y'all got to check out Kenobi. Kenobi. Come on now. 
And of course, uh, Zach and I, uh, this month on The Carpenter Factor, we, oh, we're getting into the meat and potatoes, baby. Uh, as you all know, last month we covered his second made-for-TV movie, Elvis. That was, that was, that was something. Uh- <laughs> oh, y'all got to listen to that, too, because yeah. that was... I mean, guys, you gotta li- you gotta sign up for Patreon simply for the fact that Corey and I sat through a hundred and seventy minute movie. <gasps> hundred and seventy minutes. Zach and I discussed a hundred and seventy minutes, uh, and now, but our reward is this month we get to tackle the fog. So yeah, we're back into the ninety minute movies. For we're, all. And we're and we're back into the shit that that you know we know that the, now we're we're getting into the the good John Carpenter shit. So it's gonna be fun. Uh, we're gonna have a special guest on on that one, and I uh, hope you all are enjoying it. We know a few people have signed up and every well more than a few, but we know that you guys are listening to it and everything. So we hope you're enjoying the Carpenter Factor, and of course uh, check out all the shows on the BFOP Network. Talking Back, uh, Action Action, the Blast from Our Past podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, Cartwright, Seinfeld podcast, right. uh, Re- Return, Revenge, Resurrection, and Comics Underground. We are growing, guys and gals. You can see all of those shows over at BFOPnetwork.com. That's BFOPnetwork.com. And, of course, check out all the friends of our shows, like uh, Ready to Retro, Give Me Back My Action Movies, Give Me Back My Horror Movies, of course, Everything Zach's Doing, over at Lefy, everything Dial is doing over at Kenobe and the first Noel Chronicles and uh, you know Cinema Nine podcasts, all the all the fun guys and gals that we've met having this wonderful adventure that I, I absolutely love being on with both of you all. So um, all I have left to say is as always, catch you on the obscure side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. everybody i'm tim and i'm dean and we're the hosts of talking back we're a retro-based podcast covering movies comics video games and more check us out every monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past we like to keep things fun lighthearted, and informative do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life then check out talking back we're available everywhere podcasts are found